Hi humans, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla. My name is Adrian Burke. I'm the creator and host of this program. We are not starting this one with a pull quote today because um, uh, I, I forgot to make the actual announcement on this actual podcast uh, in addition to all my socials. But uh, there's now a Patreon page to support uh, me and the show, uh, as well as another uh, project, this web series I've been making called Everything Happens for a Reason. Uh, the link to it is in the description to this ex- uh, this episode. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you clicked the link and checked out how you can uh, come on board. Come on board. Uh, just check it out if you want to support the show. Um, it would really mean a lot. Uh, just, you know, uh, making a show and uh, being an artist in New York is uh, horrifically expensive, and uh, I'm super broke all the time. So if you feel like uh, support the show to make sure it comes out more consistently uh, or just to validate my general life choices please check out that patreon link below uh, and uh, that's enough about that uh, let's get into this week's guest okay our guest this week is the wonderful wonderful hilarious otter lee i'm so excited to have otter on the show i've meant to ask them for for a minute to come on the show otter is a queer new york city based actor comedian writer and voiceover artist um currently you can hear his hilarious work on the stephen colbert executive produced animated show called tuning out the news which is available on paramount plus if you want to watch it uh also recently announced that otter is going to be uh voicing a character on the new comedy central cartoon fairview which is coming in 2022 it's very exciting we're catching otter at a fantastic time uh we had a really great uh wide-ranging conversation about uh the pandemic about comedy about otters come up uh, in the new york city school system uh, this is a really really fun one and i can't wait for you to hear it please uh enjoy this conversation with otter lee Gorgeous. So, hi, Otter. Hi, Adrian. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Like we were just saying uh, before I started recording, it has been a minute. Yeah, yeah. A long minute. A long, long minute. I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be a total blast. So why don't we, let's just start it off like I usually start them off. Um, Let's just, why don't you just introduce yourself to my fan base, who I affectionately refer to as my mom's friends. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just tell us uh, who you are. uh, And let's just, I guess, let's just start with where you grew up. Okay. So uh, my name is Otter Lee. Uh, My pronouns are he, they. I'm fine with either or. I am an actor, comedian, writer, and voiceover artist, uh, born and raised in New York City. They call that a multi-hyphenate, everyone. <laughs> hardly, hardly. hardly. <laughs> if you take half of each, I'm like a, a, a hyphenate and a half, maybe. Okay. All right. Um, I was born and raised in Chelsea for like the first seven, no, six, seven years of my life, and then I was on Long Island for a little bit, and then I moved back to Chinatown. So I like to say that I combine the worst aspects of both neighborhoods. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Chelsea to Chinatown, that's kind of like a big, in terms of New York City, like a big cultural swing. Like, couldn't be a bigger swing. <laughs> They're very similar now, though. Like, you, sure. you can get boba tea on any block. And that's a fact. That's it's a fact. Just flooded with NYU students and tourists. Mm-hmm. Oh, so unfortunate. So where did you where did you go to school in the city? I went to Beacon. Okay. 
heard which of it. Which has like a really good reputation and I still don't know why. But <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I didn't go to school in the city. I'm from the suburbs, but I feel like everything I've, I've heard either really good things about Beacon or really bad things about Beacon. Yeah, I just like, I didn't really fit in there. Like, I feel like they, there was like a, a class of like cool actually like I felt like if you were like biracial there everyone loved you like really yeah like they had a thing for it like both on the like sports teams and the uh drama club like it was but anyway I was gonna say that like I felt like I didn't fit in as like a young like queer Asian kid because it was like this this queer kid has his own makeup podcast this queer kid uh, is like an engineer. What do you bring to the table? Like, ah, I felt like everybody had like a thing. Yeah, yeah. Got it. That is such a thing when you're young, like regardless of background, I feel like if you don't have like one thing that people can attribute to you, you feel very, very out of place. Yeah, I had a friend, like she was in a group photo and she was holding like a, a book about women's studies once and she just got typecast as that for her entire like high school career I mean it's it's not a bad thing to have associated with you but she she mm -hmm. was a little salty for a little bit because I would be salty too I get it I get it so wait so we didn't do um so can you tell me how your parents met um they actually met like uh my my mom was working for a magazine called a magazine a the A's for Asian okay. and my dad was a rising photographer and she interviewed him and then uh poor boundaries running my family he was like what are you whoa. doing whoa whoa that's how they met she was interviewing him for the magazine yeah that sounds like the plot of a I feel like I say this all the all the time like when I have guests on the show but I'm like whoa that sounds like the plot of like a really good indie film <laughs> it, it ends very badly sadly but <laughs> uh sorry to hear well what type of photography was your dad doing um my dad actually he's he's like a pretty notable photographer I'd say he works at the New York Philharmonic okay like for tour photographer, like he's been with them all over Europe. I think he went to North Korea with them in like 2007 for some peace concert. Love it. I remember Love he it. brought me back these like Kim Jong-il stamps. And I was like, these are the ugliest stamps I've seen in my life. And he's like, no, 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 no. But no one has these yet. Like, yeah. Did you keep them? I did. I don't know. I remember where I put them. Like one day I'm going to be going through my stuff and he's just going to like pop up. When you find those, you text me a picture because I'm desperate to see what they look like. My dad's so funny. He actually... um. <laughs> He had a, a DVD case with him and he had the movie uh, Team America, uh, uh -huh. which is very famously uh, anti-North Korea, but they didn't know to recognize it. So he just oh, had no. it in the bag. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, of course they have like a band list, but I guess whoever was checking didn't catch it. So he was okay. Wow. I'm glad. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> And your mom, so tell me about the, does your mom's, mom's, My mom's a writer. She, uh, uh, she went to Yale University and studied English. Never she, heard of it. No idea what that is. She works in like uh, copywriting and advertising right now. But uh, what she used to work in like entertainment journalism, which is where I worked up until I got cast on Tuning Up the News. Like I was doing some clickbait writing and some like comic-con reporting <laughs> got it got it yeah i feel like i remember seeing you post about this i've never i feel like i'm so i know nothing about the copywriting world or anything about that i briefly worked at a, a production company that made commercials so i would come into contact with copywriters sometimes but i still like have no idea what that like what I does feel that like mean if you're, if you're a comedian or a writer at all like it's good it's just sort of like 
a lot of times it just boils down to like writing blog posts or helping the tidy up their social media channels like got it got it got it not a bad gig not a bad gig and then what what, what else what else was there <laughs> uh well so why don't we let's get back to i want to get back to beacon so tell me okay. about like so, tell me about what kind of crowd you were falling in with and i guess like so like uh it, it was like a like on the topic of like weird indie shows i always felt like i would make like a best friend every year and then okay. something would happen and they would have to leave the school and not come back the next year like what do you it was mean like, it was like the def- it's like it was like my best friends were the defense against the dark arts instructors. You know, <laughs> there was just a new one every year. There for one year, like maybe I was cursed, but what was? Am I allowed to know? Like what? What were the? So friend, would they just move away? Or one friend was in Austria, and his parents were. I don't know if they were diplomats or something, but they were always in and out of Europe. So he got called back to Europe, like the year that year after he was there. Like he, it was just meant for him to go to school for a year there. Another one decided that uh, mainstream education wasn't for him, which is really funny because Beacon's whole thing is they're not mainstream education. Like we have the regents in New York, they're like standardized tests. Right, and I remember. You're allowed to skip the regents to do like a rap or a dance or a poem or in Yo, some- What? Wait, 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 wait. What are you talking some about? really low hanging cases, students have done a, a collage to get out of their standardized tests. Like, are you kidding? I would have killed somebody to do that instead of the regent. So you could do like your own personalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did like a, I did a parody of Destiny's Child about Anton Chekhov. I are you think. kidding me? What yeah. was it? Wait, of which song? It was a it was Survivor. I can't remember the lyrics. It was like, it was like historical Otter. context, the invented subtext. Like it was about the seagull by Anton. Otter, we are like not even ten minutes into this yeah. podcast, and we're already, we're already at your Anton Chekhov Destiny's Child bit. That's amazing. So it sounds to me because this was was going to be one of my questions at one point, but I feel like I'm getting the impression that like performance and comedy and like creative writing was like already very much. When I was when I was in sixth grade, uh, I was in my like middle school's production of Annie, and I remember being like, "Oh, oh, I really want to do this." Who did you play? Um, I played the driver because he was Asian in the movie and in the junior version of the musical, he doesn't have any lines. Oh my God. I got to carry in Daddy Warbuck's luggage and then I don't get to sing the song with everybody else because Daddy Warbuck doesn't come until the servants finish singing their song. Oh my God. Did they at least work you into other parts of the show? Or you uh, just... I think I was like also moving the luggage around New York. <laughs> 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 like, like I was like off the job, but like moving my luggage. Mm-hmm. And it was like implied that I was like frolicking and then I would drive Daddy Warbucks later. Well, but... I for one am pissed that they did not write in some type of B or C plot about what the driver is up to in his day to day. Yeah, drivers see everything, you know, like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I remember so, LA, I'll have to get one. Yeah, definitely. That'll be a full circle moment. So, so you were doing the musicals, you were doing the plays. Was there any, was there any other type of performance that was coming in or was that like um, sort of your track? I'm trying to think what else there was. I think in middle school, we, uh, I, I, I did, I did a school talent show once and I, I, I sang, uh, <laughs> Avril Lavigne in like Japanese. Oh my God. You are killing, you are absolutely killing this episode, Otter. It was so lame. Was it, which song? Was it, was it complicated? Girlfriend. It was a girlfriend. Oh, I love it. Like, I hey, hey, it. Anoko, what in a ichi? How did like, it go over? How did the student um, body like it? I got in trouble because, <laughs> I, I, I got, they cheered, but I got in trouble because during 
most of the song is still in English because they just translate the chorus in Japanese. Okay. Uh, during the part where it's like, what the hell were you thinking? I said hell. And I looked right at like the administration of the school. Wait, how old? You were in sixth grade? Yeah, yeah. And you got in trouble for saying hell? That's yeah. crazy. Instead of heck, you're like you were supposed to say heck otter. And, Come on. Yeah. At a New York City school, that's yeah. wild. That's literally wild. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so as you're, as you're like moving through high school, uh, uh, which by the way, like, I don't really know like what the general demographic breakdown of Beacon is, or I guess was when you were there, it's probably different. Like now, there, so. It was like, I feel like, like racially or like personality wise. Cause I have strong opinions on both. Okay. Yeah. We'll do both. We'll do racially first then personality second. Well, yeah. It was like super white. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, my mom asked like the guidance counselor once and she was like one third Anglo, one third African-American and one third other. And we were like, what's other? And she's like, I don't know. Like, oh, interesting. It was like, I feel like it was like, it, I was su- super confused going there because it was mostly white, but a lot of them were like the type of white people who would like say the N word while they rapped, even right. though we were New York City school like they, see now you're edging into more of the territory of the stuff I have heard about Beacon yeah. kids. Yeah. I, I wish I had just like been like yeah yo I love I love smoking and drinking like if I had just said that once I feel like every, people wouldn't have hated me so much <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. yeah well I fuck would, those people who I hated was like you. No, I was very catty there like I was like yeah keep smoking dope I'm gonna be going to college oh my god you were that kid I love that I feel like I was somewhere in between those I would have my days where I was where I was like oh I'm a burnout I'm just gonna like smoke weed and do nothing I would would like I would bounce between that and then be like come to the come to the school musical (laughs) (laughs) see I've been working really hard on the backstory for my driver please come see it a worse combination got it okay so now personality wise let's get into that um I was like so insecure Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like I want, I came across as bubbly snarky. So people would be like, oh, Otter's so silly. And then I'd say something really messed up and like, people would be like, oh shit. Like, right, 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 right. Well, I was, I, I wasn't asking about, I was asking about, you, you mentioned the, the, of, students, of the yeah. school, like of the student body. Yeah, I feel like it was like lots of stoners, lots of jocks, uh-huh. a sizable amount of anime oriented goth kids. Really? Yeah. I guess I could see that actually. I could definitely see that. Like, I mean, I went to a public school in Westchester, but like, and there was a fair amount of that too, but I feel like in the city, it's probably a little bit magnified. Um, I was in the drama club mainly, so I hung out with those kids, but I, I remember being considered even too weird amongst the drama. It's like, they kept me around because like, I could carry a tune, but like, I, I wasn't like... Yeah, I mean, drama clubs, like, for, for all the, for all that's made, and, like, it's valid, but for all that's made about, like, drama and arts and stuff in, at young ages, being a way for, like, kids to, like, come out of their shells, whatever, these, these, these communities could also be havens for cattiness and pettiness. And, like, I felt like drama awful. club, honestly, it prepared me for the entertainment industry in the worst way. Mm. I'm not going to name names, but our drama teacher was crazy. Oh, like, tell me every, about it. You don't every, have to, every, you don't have to say specifics, every, every drama, but tell me. Every drama teacher is supposed to be crazy, right? But our, our drama teacher was like, you like in the confines of like our little black box, you are in like a conservatory and we're going to make oh it that God. way. Like, I hate that type they, so They much. had us do like a, like a typing exercise once where we went out on the street and had, had strangers comment on our bodies. 
Like, what? Like, 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 and this is when the school was near Columbus Circle. So just people on the street, like high school students being like, Mister, well, who do you think I'd be in the movie? Like, what could go wrong, right? I feel like, oh my I, God. I think I blocked out what I got, but someone was like, the girl from a grudge. And I was like, oh, come on, place. come on. That is, even by the standards of like a crazy, like high school drama teacher, that is like beyond the pale. That is like actually crazy. Like talk about like completely, completely like ripping open the insecurities of children. That's why. But, but one really cool thing was that um, in this New York City school, because we had like really intense musicals, we could get out of gym by taking a musical if there was enough choreography. How does <laughs> that's unbelievable? That there yeah. was never that option for me. Yeah. What? So like depending on the show. So what? The, yeah. the gym teacher would be like, oh, how much dancing are you do? Yeah, yeah. I think I also I took one semester I, before I was in drama club. I took capoeira as a as a. As oh, OK. That's can... for, for those who don't know, uh, although we've had a couple Brazilian people on the show. That is the Brazilian art of dance fighting. I've always wanted to learn. It's fun. It's fun. I can still sort of cartwheel if there's no one around and I have a clean open space. Like, if, an, if an otter can do a cartwheel when there's no one there to see it, did it even happen? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Probably, probably not. My so then- say they happened, but- oh, Sorry, what'd you say? My, my hips will tell you they happened, but they've, they've been known to lie. I'm no Shakira. <laughs> yeah, well, you beat me to it. I was trying to find my way to Shakira. So as you're, so as you're moving out of high school, did you, did you go to college? Yeah, I went, I went to NYU after, after, after Chautauqua. Uh, <laughs> see, see, you can um, always find NYU, the NYU kid. NYU kicked my ass. Like, I, uh, I think I auditioned for, I'll be honest, I auditioned for like 20 things freshman year and got maybe one or two of them. Just, Were you a drama major or? Uh, I went to Gallatin where you create your own major. Right, I've heard of this. The summer I've before, this. I did like a, a program at Cat 21 Musical Theater Conservatory. Oh, RIP, it doesn't exist yeah. anymore. And I was like, uh, I can't, I can't do this. I can't dance, like. Yeah. Because I was like, it was like vocal performance, A minus, ballet, B plus, right. uh, comedic improvisation, A. Then it was like tap, D. Ah, uh, yeah, it's rough. I mean, I, I mean, like many, many like creative kids in this country, like, your first exposure to any type of performing art tends to be the school musical. So I feel like the the musical theater to ultimately like comedy and other stuff pipeline is like very, very much a thing. So you are not alone there. Like I couldn't yeah. hack it in the musical theater world. For if a I'm ever in a, in a musical, I'll just be like, oh, I'm the town weirdo singing one song in the corner, you know? It's just or, like or Otter, and I think this is, this is realistic for people like us, which is like, we get enough clout in the comedy and like film TV world. And then you get cast on like the NBC live, whatever, even though you can't really sing, but like, they're going to use you for your clout. That's yeah, what I want yeah. for both of us. Yeah, I want them to, I want them to put me on the NBC uh, reboot of Cats, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I found out the other day. It's actually George W. Bush's favorite musical. No, what? Where? When? So where did much. you find that out? It was, it's like a, it's like a floating fact. I'm not making it up. I, I swear. I'm, I'm googling it now. Cats. Okay, I don't believe you, but if that's true, that's like unbelievably funny. I read somewhere. Cats. I'll, I'll find it later. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so you're at Gallatin. What, what ended up being your major there? I called it epics and epic performance. Like it was just. Um, a combination of um, acting, history, okay. and theater history and playwriting. So the idea was I would oh. study different like ancient theater traditions like 
Japanese no theater and Chinese operas and mm-hmm. uh, Shakespeare. And I, I would use that to sort of inform my writing process. Wow. How do you, so how do you feel like it did? Um, like it, it, in terms of like, like what I got out of a program or. Yeah. Or I guess like, well, maybe I misinterpreted oh, what oh, you oh, said. Oh, of like, oh, yeah, no, it really did because like, uh, I, I feel like people don't know a lot about Eastern theater and like a lot of like the melodramatic elements are the same across cultures with maybe like a, a bigger mm. like emphasis on like suicide in the Japanese. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd never formally studied theater at the at the like undergrad level, but like I had enough exposure and dabbled in it and and know enough people that did go to theater programs here. And I've rarely ever heard anyone mention anything about uh, and an Eastern author at any type of Eastern theater production. Like it's really like, seems to be a complete blind spot for most programs in this country. And I, uh, I remember I got really disillusioned because I studied at NYU Tisch in London and I studied playwriting there. Whoa. And it was this like advanced playwriting program with an instructor from RADA. Okay. But, uh, they didn't teach us how to sustainably rewrite stuff. It was just 50 new pages tomorrow, you know? And I like, I, I, I like crashed and burned, honestly. Like, yeah, and, I don't know that I would last in a program like that. Because I, and there were only three of us in the entire class, so there was so much pressure. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> and I was honestly upset because two of the people in the program ended up becoming like BFFs, and it was like kind of annoying. Like it was kind of a toxic class for me because it was wow. Be like, they put you in the third wheel position. Yeah, and you're like, hey, like, so I put four abortions in my play, and it's like, oh, I put <laughs> an incest baby in mine, and it's like you're you're trying to write comedy. What are you doing here? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like it, well, it was very trauma porny. You know? The disrespect for anybody doing anything comedic in these yeah. types of like institutions is wild. When these people couldn't do two minutes on stage, yeah. To and save what their saved life. me, what saved me is that um, I uh, joined the University College of London's improv team. Wow! And I, 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 it was the first time in my life that was I was like maybe I don't need to care about my grades. Like, and so I was like doing improv with them at different pubs. I had an extremely emotionally available British boyfriend. Okay. Okay. Well, had you had you been improvising before this or was your um I had uh done it as a summer camp activity and sort of run it at my summer camp for a while. Like Got I went it. to camp. It was like you take an SAT course, you take an SAT, uh, you take the SATs and then you take a college course on campus for three weeks with other students your age. Interesting. I've never heard of that. It's called CTY. Got it. Got it. So you were, so you had been kind of exposed to it there, but this troupe in London was sort of your first time kind of jumping in with both feet. Got it. And that's mad interesting because, I mean, granted it was a college team, but I've only, I've been exposed to a little bit of improv in Europe and done a few shows out there. And I'm, I've always been fascinated by how completely different the philosophy and performance style is out there in comparison here. Yes. Big on puns and Chekhov's gun. Yes. I mean, you could have busted out that Destiny's Child for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, and then and as- then there, I went, the senior year, I came back to New York and I sort of like, kind of, I didn't, I mean, I guess I gave up on playwriting because I was like, it's so hard to just sort of push through the like barrier of privilege and mm-hmm. like Western centric stuff. And yeah. I, and like, it, it, it blew my mind that like, you could spend years writing 
your favorite play, the best play you've ever written. And then if you can't get someone to produce it, then you have to stage it yourself. And then you're putting yourself into debt to make your dream happen, but you can't get anybody to go see it. Or yeah. so I was like, oh, you can do that on a smaller scale scale if you do comedy. Right. Yeah. So that's sort of how the transition yeah. started happening. I started taking UCB classes and right. then and then and I had like, that was while you were still a senior at NYU. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I feel like my I, I was like I planned my like senior year schedule, so I only had classes on Mondays and Friday, and then Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I was going to every improv jam. And solid, good, solid. Yeah, I mean, I I remember I remember my I'm going to every single UCB show I possibly can phase. Like I feel like for us comedy nerds in New York, like that's always such like it's like a rite of passage almost. And then I had like this crazy realization where I was like, wait a second, like improv and like theater and like the industry in general, like they all have different forms of sort of like racism and like problematic aspects, but like neither one would ever admit that they're similar in that way. You know? mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And was that, was that a realization that happened sort of immediately when you entered the UCB system or did uh, it take some time? I was drinking that Kool-Aid for about a year. You know? Yeah, we all drank that Kool-Aid baby. It was shortly after I got into advanced study that I realized that it, <laughs> the object work glass ceiling no. <laughs> I mean even just the concept of the stratified advanced study yeah. tier and everything like such a oof oof oof, oof. but that's great so uh, and it, what kind of like what what about improv how do you feel like improv other than like sort of convincing you to transition more out of the traditional playwriting like track like how do you feel like it affected your your writing voice um I think it, it gave me like this insane ability to just generate ideas like right away like if you held a gun mm. to my head and was like come up with 10 sketches now I would just like try to come up with them yeah or like it also like honestly in a weird way it helped me come out faster I mean I was sort of out in college but like I was always playing like very femme or very witchy silly characters in uh -huh. improv and like uh -huh. That's sort of how I found my queer voice, you know. I, I, like, I'm not gonna. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that you weren't out at the time. I wasn't like super out. Like, it was like, I didn't, I don't think I even like made an official coming out status until like 2018, which is crazy. Like, mm. I was like, this is a formality, but hey, everybody. Yeah, one of those, one of those. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, it, one of the beautiful things about improv, I feel like it, it, in, at a, in its best form, in its purest form, it can like, open you up to some of your vulnerabilities, some of your, some of your deep seated things that just kind of spill out of you without you even realizing it. Like, I feel I like there's so I much have, value. I came out of a mo in the like most ostentatious way possible. It was national coming out day. I posted a status wearing like a gl glitter jacket. Uh -huh. And then I got on a plane to Milan and shut off my phone for 20 Oh my God. Hours. Oh my God. You did it right. Yeah. I don't think anybody's done it any better than that ever. Um, so talk to me about, so you, but you've done a bunch of work in sketch too, right? Yeah. So I started an all Asian sketch team called Overstep. Mm -hmm. Shout in, outs. Uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. And then um, that was really good. Like, I mean, we aren't really doing that much stuff now. We might, but like, it's just like. It's tough it now. Amazing, it was amazing to sell out shows and like yeah. for the people's improv theater from there, like we like sort of like had like a. I want to say like a, I don't know what's the word. It's not not. A, it wasn't a a. a uh, re, it was sort of like a residency, you know. Like we had a we had a nice door split running with the pit, you know. Nice. Yeah, you had a slot. Yeah, like you had weird, a recurring it was weird, slot. Weird, like knowing that like, 
we could break even you know i didn't know that was possible yeah isn't it well i mean the first time i ever got a check i ever got a check from a show that was even that was positive at all let it, i think the first time i got paid for a show was like 20 dollars, and i was like what this is yeah, unbelievable like, wow this is one 50th of an improv semester <laughs> yeah and what what was the formation of that group like was the was it sort of did it happen organically or was it sort of something um, that you set out to do consciously? We were, we were, I, I mean <laughs> i don't know if i should mention this but we were part of another sketch team where we were really terribly mistreated oh shit run by someone who was absolutely crazy who would like make us take orders from their non-asian husband and just sort of like berate us and like oh it was really so like me and some of the members were like, we want to start something new. And that's what we did. But I, as you can hear, I didn't name any names, so I can't be sued for defamation. Nah, you nailed it. And also like, nobody's suing you off yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody is. But I mean, that's also such like a tale as old as time in the community of like one group being formed out of like the death of something else. Like that's, that's also one of the things I love about the New York art scene of like the kind of ever changing like mist of like groups and ensembles and stuff yeah i think the last thing overstep did was we did a show at flushing town hall virtually during the pandemic like got it got it have you been, did you do a lot of virtual shows during the pandemic i did one virtual sketch show with my pit house team and then we were like you know what it's fine we don't have to do this like we can yeah. all just like play quiplash i did two i did two virtual improv shows towards the very beginning and it was so depressing that i was like let me not do this to myself anymore. oh it's, i can't no never again like it, even if like the world shuts down like forever i'm not doing virtual improv i can't yeah virtual, i hear you virtual stand up i struggle with you know it's like I have a bad relationship with my dad. Oh, there's no one here. <laughs> <laughs> so when did stand-up start entering the picture? Was that always there oh, while you I were started, doing sketch or? Uh, I, uh, it happened right when I fell out of love with improv. I guess my whole journey has just been me burning out of whatever field I was in. Like that's, Hey, that's, you're not alone in that. I, like, you're not woke up and I was like, I can't do another indie show. I can't sign up for another class. I just want to perform. Yeah. And, uh, I got really lucky because I had a friend who was like, oh, I'm still starting a stand-up workshop. Come once or twice a week and then we'll put you on a show. And the show naturally had like a huge audience. Like nice. It was all it, like they had already had other shows. So they had like a built-in like audience going. So it, it helped. Like it was weird. I was getting to try out my material in front of like full houses, but like that's awesome. That's a really great way to dip your toes into it. What do you do you feel like? I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't like, I don't like the question of like, what is your favorite medium to do? But what, what about the stand-up? What about stand-up like appeals to you in contrast to the other that, four? That it's just self-sufficient as you right. don't have to worry about anyone else. And I know improv is like, I feel like, like at stand-up, everyone's a jerk, but at least for usually being real with you. In mm. improv, I was running into like this very fake, very toxic positivity. Yes. Like that, I don't know if you've ever, like you've had that feeling where you do a scene and then like, uh -huh. like well you know we didn't sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't and today we, we didn't have it and it's okay we're just gonna do 20 more practices together and then we might have it and uh, yeah it's i i, I it 
it, at its worst, the that type of attitude, it, it gives me like, it gives me high school theater, honestly, or it gives me like college acapella group where everybody's oh, just wait, sort I'm of like, gonna... join the cults. And I I'm just so like, yo, it's okay to say that we were shitty today. I was like, so upset okay I never made my college acapella group. Like oh, you, were, you were trying to get into the acapella group? Not just any, I, I tried out for like, I think eight of them. I didn't get into any of them. And there now- are, There are eight of them at NYU? There are probably like 12 actually. Sheesh. But- um, Sheesh. It was just so snooty, you know. I applied. So I like, I sent the email to schedule an audition for a couple of acapella groups when I was at, at college. And the morning, and they were all like, all of them did the auditions the same day. Like you would go do your audition for everybody on the same day. And on the morning of the auditions, I woke up and I just had like a, an epiphany. And I was just like, hey, Adrian, do you really want to, do you really <laughs> want to do this? Do you really want to spend like, five days a week like singing Bruno Mars songs like and I was like let me go back to bed and I never looked back I wish I had had that well you know I did, I did end up joining the NYU men's glee club which was like less competitive but like you could get credits for it so it was great like you were in the glee club wow do you still sing at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I incorporated, it's a funny thing. My first solo in the OAU Men's Glee Club was Part of Your World from A Little Mermaid. Love it. And I incorporate that in my in my stand-up. It's a... Uh, That's amazing. You're you're still using it to this day. Yeah, and it's, it's so... I, I'm probably going to film it in a music <laughs> video eventually. But um, I, what, what annoys me sometimes still is that, like, I'll do a stand-up set and then I'll end with a song. And people huh. will be like, oh my gosh, you can sing. You sound really good. And it'll be like, fuck off. Like, I, <laughs> why would you assume that I can't sing? Or like, actually, I feel like this happens to me whenever anyone sees that I'm good at anything outside of comedy. Like, mm. like wow, you made, a, you made a cake and it didn't suck ass. And I'll be like, <laughs> hey. Like, well, this is another thing. You're big into cooking, right? I've seen you post all the stuff you cook. I'm not good at plating, though. I need, I need help with that. Okay, fair enough. But so what, what do you do you like jump around? Is there a particular type of cuisine you like to stick to? Let's get into I that. like, um, I started with Italian because I was like, Oh, God, I don't want to mess up Chinese. I can't dishonor my ancestors anymore <laughs> than I have already. <laughs> so uh, I like, uh, yeah, I took Yeah, I think they would have frowned on the Glee Club. Honestly, I think they would have frowned upon the Glee Club. But I took I took um, what was it? No, it happened in London because the food was so expensive there. Mm. But I like couldn't like just eat out all the time. So I just started teaching myself how to cook. And eventually right. it sort of clicked, but it took like a couple of years. Yeah. 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 Got it. And what so uh, do you feel like this is maybe a stretch of a question, but like do you do you see any like thematic parallels between like between cooking and writing? Do you have do you feel like there's any like any places where that sort of intertwines for you mentally? Is that they end with me crying on the toilet? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Boom, I set you up for that one. Yeah, Boom. Yeah, I would say, uh, I actually, I, I did have, used to have a food blog called Food for Ot. Uh-huh. But um, let me think, let me think. Maybe not so much cooking and writing, just sort of, except that you have an audience and that even, yeah. like, assuming you're not just cooking for yourself. Right. Like, so you have to always be thinking about what other people like, even when you're making something for yourself. Interesting. Honestly, Otter, you killed that question. And it was a very weird question that I pulled out of my ass. So very well done. Wait, I, actually, but this, uh, I got to tell you something. So yeah. before I was on, I was officially on my first episode of Tuning, uh -huh. uh, my friend I, who taught me how to make pasta in Italy, okay. he, he hired me 
to be his assistant in Zoom pasta making classes. But it was like a very commedia type thing where I was supposed to be like a bad student. Okay. So I showed up I show up late to the Zoom and like my pasta looks terrible. And I'm oh, that's cute. Time, so I showed up and I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought I saw Robert De Niro on the street, but it wasn't Robert De Niro. It was a homeless man. And then like, I just like completely interrupt the class. But what happened was, I think the worst part was at one point I was like, this, these noodles are too long for my pot. So I took out my keys and used my teeth to whittle them down before putting them in my pot. What happened was I did such a good job of messing up a class that like the entire class requested refunds and you had to apologize to everybody. <laughs> I, I was a total nightmare. Like it was supposed to be like a, a thing where you had me come back for more classes and they were just like, no, please. Like, there are all these like grandmas who are like, this is my time with Chef Pietro. This this monstrous, monstrous Asian man is ruining my time with oh Chef Oh my Pietro. God. You sh- that should go on a business card, honestly. Yeah, I'm, a, like, I'm, a, I'm a pasta saboteur. That is amazing. You, that Honestly, that just means that you hit like an Andy Kaufman level of commitment that like truly screwed you, with everyone's yeah, head. Yeah, my, my friend was like, you were great, good, too good. That's why I can't hire you for <laughs> that's so funny so so why don't we so when does when does like voiceover start coming into the equation oh okay this is, this is it's like it's a really fun like combination of how like I got into voiceover is I was working in like uh entertainment journalism for video games anime conventions comics etc and like mm-hmm. I interviewed a lot of voice actors and I found myself just asking them like what did you do and they were all like oh I did improv classes I took stand-up I mm-hmm did this and I was like oh I'm already doing that so like I waited until I found a really good class mm-hmm. I, I took that and once I was in the class I found like oh 80% of it is just coming up with good characters which is mm. what I've been learning at all the other things I was doing like yeah you've literally been putting that work in for years like it's weird you have, you have people who like are totally perfect right they can mimic any voice but when it comes to emoting they, they're too scared to take that jump right or you have comedians who are like you're just gonna hear my voice and i'm gonna just do my voice you know and like i don't know why people find it so hard to hop into one or the other or mm-hmm. well i mean a lot i think a lot of it is just reps i mean those people that you're describing have not experienced doing a pit loft show for an audience of three like they haven't they just like have it <laughs> They just haven't put in that work, you know, and like you, you had, you had the seasoning already, you know, you just needed to be put in the right environment. I took a, a really good class with um, Erica Schroeder. Uh-huh. She, she, she's done a lot of like anime in, in New York. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I know very little about the voiceover world. I've always wanted to learn more, but like, that's why part yeah. of why I was so excited. I'll, to have I'll send show. you like, I'll send you like class recs if you, if you're interested. I mean, absolutely. I love, Hey, I love when this show benefits me personally. <laughs> so when did, so when did tuning, tuning started when 2019? So I auditioned in 2019 and, um, but I, my first episode wasn't until July, 2020. They were still working on getting my character ready. Got it. Got it. And how, how did you feel? How, how I, you been... I'll say that I found it through, I found it through the people's improv feeder. I had just gotten on a house team there. Oh, nice. I had like a casting call and I was like, I don't know. Like I only just took a couple of voice acting classes. I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. Yeah. But, but I, why not? Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you did. And what had you been in terms of the stuff you were writing? Were you, 
writing any were you writing much topical humor what, no, what how did you feel about heading I, into like I'm an explicitly like, political show almost all the stuff i write is like it's <clears throat> just like straight up weird character games right and i feel like even on the sh even on like in my auditions i wasn't really like using some like political commentary i don't know like, <laughs> i was like I, I i still remember for my initial audition i had a lady she was like a racist yoga instructor, Trump supporter lady. Okay. There's this line where she was like, I too understand poverty because I was stuck at Fire Festival without any coconut water. And I had to have my boyfriend jerk off a sailor to get me a coconut water, but it came in an actual coconut. Like, what the hell? And wow. Wow. I love it. And they were like, oh, we want you to do that voice, but you're just playing you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Well, that's cool. That's nice that you can uh like just kind of bring the absurdism to it instead of like having to like hit the political topical humor super Sometimes, super hard like, i get spooked out because they'll write something for me and i'll be like oh my gosh like where did they where did they raid my life you know <laughs> like I, I can't remember he said he was like my character was like well time to go drink matcha and watch white lotus and i was like what that's literally on my schedule for today hey that's just being a performer baby the writers are gonna they're gonna hit it <laughs> they're gonna hit it that's awesome that's so cool so i we're kind of uh rounding out on time um but i guess i'd ask you just because i feel like we we sort of came up in the comedy community like somewhere around the same time so i guess i'm i guess i'm curious like in terms of the way you've seen, granted COVID is a big part of it, but in terms of the way you've sort of seen the scene change over the last few years, like, is there anything you feel like is super missing in the New York scene comedically or something you'd like to see kind of change in the I don't, years? I haven't been to LA for comedy yet, so I, I can't really say Oh, strictly, that. I'm asking strictly New York. Okay, so I don't know what's missing because I've only really been here. Yeah. But I'll say like, I wish that, I don't know, maybe it's just a comedy thing across the world. But something in New York that I find is like this very intense hustle culture that I wish didn't exist where it's like if you're not mm. on 20 shows a week then your comedy muscles are atrophying and you're a failure yeah. or like I'll meet someone cool who I just want to hang out with and I'll be like let's grab a bite or we'll go, we can go to karaoke or like mm -hmm. just like get a coffee or something like just to network or something and they're like no we have to go to a mic or I'm not going out yeah you know? yeah that's that's absolutely true the, i mean the hustle culture thing is like so endemic to american culture in general but in comedy specifically new york comedy it's like absolutely crazy i'm very like, big on self-care culture now where it's like i'll do two shows a week and if i'm either getting paid for them or i feel really good about them then it's worth it you know yeah absolutely I, and i think that's a healthy attitude to have i really and by all means for people who like can balance a life where they're doing eight, nine, 10, 15 sets a week, like good for you. That's awesome. But like, I, that shouldn't be the standard that is forced upon every like fledgling comedian. I think that's I like think. the different, the biggest difference between me and my standup persona is like, I have so much energy in my standup and that is part of me and my actual personality. But like, I can't live like that. I'd be dead. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and you know what, the fact that you can compartmentalize the performance persona with the person is puts you ahead of a lot of people. I feel like people are surprised because like, we'll hang out and be like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, oh, wow, you're so normal. And I'm like, no, just there's no audience here. So why would I like <laughs> be cocaine hotter? No. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, is there anything we haven't touched on that you feel like you want to get in here before we get into like plugging your stuff? Let me think. Um, uh, 
I don't know. I guess the one really fun, other realization, funny realization I had is I was like the same discrimination against Asian men in comedy and like acting. I'm also experiencing on dating apps. And that's like a weird Ooh, thought that I Interesting. Had, How so? Where it's like, we're not seen as like masculine or we're not seen, but we're, but we're, t- we're shoehorned into this very like, uh, like nerdy space, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why people won't swipe us on dating apps. And that's also why we aren't like welcome, like to audition for bigger parts in Hollywood. Like, I feel like that's changing now, but it's yeah. something that I, I realized during college and I was like, whoa, like, yeah, yeah, and seeing it reflected in different like aspects of your life, but it's ultimately like all sides of the same coin. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I mean, and probably, I mean, I can only assume because um, I can't speak for your experience, but I can only assume in an improv context where you're stepping onto a stage where somebody's literally endowing you with a character. Like, I'm assuming probably that pigeonholing comes in super, super strong. I feel like I'm lucky in that I'm weird. So I got gay stuff labeled before. before. (laughs) (laughs) But the worst moment I had was some white girl gave me the suggestion chopsticks. And it was like, come on, dude, come on. (laughs) Oh, yeesh, yeesh. I think I, I was just like, Barry, stop chopping these sticks. We need firewood. <laughs> Amazing A to C. Amazing A to C. I love it. I love it. So how about, so let's let's do the plugs. How can people find your stuff? How can they follow your stand-up? Oh, and where can they watch your show? Okay, so I'm currently on Stephen Colbert Presents Tuning Out the News. That season two is ending, but you can catch full episodes on Paramount+. Plus. That's right. There are also smaller segments that you can catch me on on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert's YouTube channel. And that will be linked in the description of the episode, everybody. And then uh, I'm also gonna be on the Comedy Central show Fairview in uh, 2022. I can't Mm -hmm. remember when exactly. That's right, we're not violating any NDAs today, everybody. It was was announced in the, uh, in Halloween. Not that long ago, a couple couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember my phone was blowing up and I was like, oh, I want to (laughs) sleep. Like, no, no, like, no, no, no. that sounds conceited. But no, but sometimes, you know, like when everybody, everybody's texting you at once, like, it's just like, just like get me a cake or something and don't talk to me today. Like, I'm Mm. I'm, I'm more introverted than I appear. We'll keep that in mind for the for the next thing you book. (laughs) We'll keep that in mind. But I can announce today that is really fun is uh, I just have a new Instagram. I guess it's a video that's on uh, The Gag, which is a Comedy Central X logo Ooh, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to watch that. I think that, that, that covers it for now. Beautiful. Otter, thank you so much for being here. This was like a long time coming. It's also so good to see you again. Let's it's hang like, out. Let's hang yeah, out. absolutely. It's been literal years since yeah, we've we'll seen each other. Yeah. Please, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Ed. When I go to unwind from the grind and of all that I know, I promise you this. Material shit don't make you rich. Coisa material. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Otter Lee for for joining the Zoom. Thank you to you for listening and subscribing. Please remember to leave a 
a review and rate it and share the show with whoever you want to share it with. Um, it really means a lot that you engage with the show. And don't forget that there's now a, a Patreon if you want to become a subscriber uh, to this show as well as this other project I'm working on. There's lots of perks and incentives, including early access to these episodes as well as access to the video versions of these episodes, which is something I definitely should have said up top at the beginning of the podcast. But this is this is what happens when this is what happens when you're working a survival job 50 hours a week and you <laughs> and you're winging it but anyway uh, we're keeping the outros unhinged as always uh, I'm so excited uh, that you're here please spread the word and uh, check out that link in the bio have a great week everyone <laughs>